Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Hey, welcome to Politico Tech. Today is Thursday, December 14th. I'm Stephen Overly. There's a push for technologies that remove carbon from the atmosphere, carbon capture, and that's driving a new wedge in the climate fight. Those tensions have been on display over the past two weeks at COP28, the big climate conference happening in the United Arab Emirates. And that will continue as officials leave that gathering with a historic agreement to transition away from fossil fuels, a goal that proponents of carbon capture say this technology will be necessary to achieve. Here are the dividing lines. You've got the U.S. and other pro-technology countries pushing for them to be used in high-polluting industries. But then, more skeptical places like the EU saying this technology is still unproven. Plus, many climate advocates see all of this as a distraction from the much harder work of reducing and ultimately eliminating fossil fuels. On the show today, Politico Energy reporter Zach Coleman joins me from Dubai to provide his on-the-ground assessment of how the geopolitics around climate tech are playing out. Let's just jump into it then. You know, you've spent most of the past two weeks attending COP28 there in the UAE, big oil-producing country, obviously. Tell me what the mood has been this year. Well, it's been quite interesting. I mean, a lot of people came in very skeptical because it was being hosted in an oil country and led by the president of the UAE's national oil company. So a lot of people were kind of skeptical. But, you know, it's actually been a pretty nice mood here because uh, most cops, things don't really work well. There's always a run on food. Sometimes you run out of water. The bathrooms aren't great. It's difficult to find your way around. The venue here is actually pretty nice, and it's very big, but uh, there's been no lines for anything. And I think there is something to the effect of uh, happy people make for happier negotiations. Interesting. So uh, some ideological differences may be going in, but the bathrooms are nice, so things are <laughs> things have been looking up since. Yeah, it's not like I'm like hanging out in there, but yeah, they're they're nicer than they were in Sharm El Sheikh, Egypt last year. And so now things are winding down. You know, I, there's finally been this agreement to transition away from fossil fuels. You know, many folks have been pushing for language to phase out fossil fuels. What's the deal here? So. A lot of nations have been pushing for a phase out of fossil fuels. And the idea here is that that's the fuel that ends up cooking the planet. I mean, these are where our emissions come from. The primary driver of climate change is coal, oil, and gas. And a phase out is a very strong declaration that we're just not going to use this stuff anymore. And one of the biggest things that nations here are, are focusing on is this term unabated fossil fuels. And and unabated is those fossil fuels without carbon capture or carbon removal technologies is this big sector that is uh, emerging. But there's a lot of countries that don't trust those technology fixes either because they have not been proven to work at scale yet. And it's kind of a wish and a hope and a dream for many nations who really live and die by climate change. You think about Pacific Island nations where they are being swallowed by rising seas that are caused by climate change. They don't want to put their futures uh, on on the, the backs of this technology that has not yet been commercialized. 
Let's talk about that technology a bit more because, you know, it seems like the U.S. and UAE have been kind of backing carbon capture technology at this year's conference, have been sort of among those advocating for for this type of technology. How much has that taken over the agenda there? This is very much part of the agenda because of countries like the U.S. and the UAE. President Joe Biden's Inflation Reduction Act, the infrastructure law, I mean, all these things support technologies that a lot of countries are skeptical of, hydrogen, Hmm. carbon capture, carbon removal. And they're maybe necessary for sectors that are difficult to decarbonize. You think about making cement. There's a chemical process when you make cement that causes emissions. How do you how do you get at that? It's not at the end of the life cycle of the product. It's it's while you're making the product. So there are some reasons that you might need to use these technologies, but what you don't want to have to rely on them for is capturing the emissions off of burning coal or or gas, which you would hope you can just replace those with renewable technology that we know is falling in cost and is widely available. But that is the conversation here. I mean, is there a role for those technologies in in nations that are still building coal and might still need to rely on coal uh, for for cheaper energy access? And can you just slap that technology on in the end? Uh, There's a lot of people who say that you shouldn't rely on that and that you can't rely on that. But then there's many nations that say otherwise. And what has the U.S. been saying there on the, on the ground at COP? I mean, it seems like they've been recruiting other nations to try to adopt more of these technologies. What's, what's the ambition here? So the U.S. wants an immediate phase-out of unabated coal. So coal-fired power, they don't want any of that to be built without these technologies that remove or capture the carbon before it ends up baking the atmosphere. And... On fossil fuels writ large, it's a little bit different of a story. The U.S. did not strongly advocate for a full phase out of fossil fuels by X date. What they wanted was a direction of travel that very clearly showed we're on the path to net zero. But I think the the terms in which they wanted that described were a little bit more flexible than some of the other island nations and, and climate vulnerable nations that really see their their futures wrapped up in a phase out and whether we can get onside of scientists calls to keep temperatures from rising one and a half degrees Celsius since the industrial revolution began. And so it sounds like those island nations and those those climate forward countries are not really on board with this U.S plan and and what the Biden administration is pushing for, what kind of support have they found, if any? So the European Union was the biggest supporters of the island states' positions. They issued joint statements. The European Union wants very strong guardrails against using these abatement technologies. They don't trust it. And there's a push to have this just for the hardest to decarbonize sectors that was actually baked into the language here at the COP outcome, which is a it's a good marker to place because it means you're not relying on abatement for the power sector writ large. I mean, there was a very clear statement that the world should be moving away from fossil fuels in energy systems. This it's kind of hard to believe, but this is the first COP ever to end with a statement on moving away from fossil fuels across the board because. Mm-hmm. 
has been such an important part to country's economy is that they never wanted to acknowledge that that was also part of the climate problem. So we're making some progress here. The, the U.S. has certainly sought a place for these removal technologies, but they're not necessarily seen as advocating strongly for them. Hmm. Uh, the U.S. actually was advocating pretty strongly for the most ambitious outcome it could get on reducing emissions, but in the end, it, it wasn't the hill they were going to die on. We'll be right back. The Biden administration is moving forward with a slew of new regulations that put products like semiconductors, electric vehicles, modern healthcare technology, and clean energy at risk. Chemistry is essential to our modern lives, creating products to help foster a more sustainable and competitive future. The Biden administration must change its course and work with manufacturers on science-based policies that protect American innovation. Learn more at chemistrycreates.org. And the, you know, these technologies, you've said a few times that some folks are skeptical of them. Some folks are are concerned about how well they work. What do we know about the effectiveness of these technologies? Because it does seem like, to some degree, the, the science gets mired down in climate politics. Yeah, you know, these are still emerging technologies. Carbon removal is still very nascent. I mean, it's working at some very small scales. There's pilot projects. There's definitely a need to use it. I mean, the IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which is the UN's authoritative climate science body, says we're going to need it. I mean, that's very clear. But it's just not working right now. And you don't want to put it off to a point where you're having to rely on it. Like The idea here is to reduce emissions enough so that these nascent technologies right now play a role later, but they're not required to do the whole work because they just they aren't there yet. And they might never get there. There are technologies that are working a little bit more. I mean, carbon capture in storage, which is a little bit different than carbon removal, where you're already removing the carbon that's in the atmosphere. Carbon capture, you might be catching it right off of the smokestack. You know, that that is getting more effective, but again, it's not necessarily widely used at power plants. That's where it's going to be less effective, but it can have some applications in the industrial sector like steel making. Mm. Uh, so there are ways in which you can see this technology being applied in a unique, specific way, but, you know, you wouldn't want to have to rely on it for decarbonizing your entire energy system. Well, that's, you know, I, we had um, Marcin Mitchell from the World Wildlife Fund on the podcast last week. And from reading what other environmentalists have, have said about this technology, it seems like in some ways they see it as potentially a distraction, right? Or sort of a, you know, being viewed as a silver bullet when like really the hard work is actually reducing these fossil fuels. Is that the sentiment you're hearing there at COP as well? Or, or how are environmental advocates responding to kind of this technological push? It is definitely the sentiment you hear at COP that there's this moral hazard by relying on technology. Because what you're seeing here is this push for a salve, essentially. It's saying, don't worry about the way we've been doing things. We know things look bad, but you know we have this solution for you. And the solution hasn't been tested at a major scale. It's very costly right now. And you don't want to have to think that some flip will switch 
in some decades on that you know it will then suddenly be working well enough or the cost will be low enough where where you know you can just easily slap it on to whatever you're doing and the problem solved at the same time if you are relying on that technology then you are still not solving the problem of local pollution from producing fossil fuels. I mean, you're talking about water contamination, local air pollution. There are still communities that would be on the front line of the extractive industries where they don't have their local air pollution and water pollution challenges fixed. So there's also hazards there. I guess one thing I'm trying to understand myself is, are these advocates anti this technology or just that it's not enough, right? Or that it's it's the wrong thing to focus on. And is there technology that they are getting behind? It's a split. And I can't say it's a split down the middle. Most environmental activists would rather not have to worry about or use these technologies. There is greater acceptance of it in the industrial sector across the environmental community. I think that that is fair to say. But there is still a skepticism about these technologies writ large just because of that moral hazard problem. Got it. Well, you know, COP is now winding down. This uh, agreement towards transitioning away from fossil fuels has been reached. As you're talking with folks uh, in their leaving, what are you hearing in terms of expectations for what comes next? Well, there was a historic deal reached to accelerate away from fossil fuels, but there's still a long road ahead. It's one thing to sign a document and agreed to it. It's another thing to actually do that work. This is always going to be one of the least contentious cops of the next few. Next year, there's a effort to set a new goal for mobilizing financial resources from the rich world to the developing world. And there is no ceiling as to what that could be. We realize the needs are great for decarbonizing the world's economy. And then the COP after that is when nations are supposed to be submitting their next 10-year plan for reducing emissions, their next national strategies known as nationally determined contributions. So it's going to start to get pretty heady here. And, you know, we're, we're going to see what happens. But I think what will be instructive is what markets start doing and how quickly the next year or two, we actually see emissions reductions in green energy deployment. Got it. Yeah. And, and how quickly maybe some of these technologies we're talking about ramp up uh, could also tip the scales in some way. Um, listen, Zach, appreciate you making time and, and thanks for joining us on Politico Tech. Thanks for having me. That's all for today's Politico Tech. For more tech news, subscribe to our newsletters, Digital Future Daily and Morning Tech. Music in today's episode comes from the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Our senior producer is Annie Reese. Our editors are Steve Heuser, Daniela Cheslow, and Louisa Savage. I'm Stephen Overly. See you back here on Friday.